Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. My name's Larry Knoll, and uh, they'll be putting our website, if you're joining us through live stream, they'll be putting the website up there so that you can, if you're curious, you can find out information about us, And uh, but we're just so glad that you are here. Love is here. We do mean that. Anybody here feel the love of Jesus or the love of a person or any kind of love today? Anybody feeling love? Let me hear a woo-hoo. Okay, that's pretty weak, but you know. They weren't, I didn't rehearse that, you could tell. So uh, just all, you know, be more ready, you know. No, we're not here to perform. But, you know, love is here, but I think the song is more than that. It's not about a place. It's that love came down. See, God is love, and love came down to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Love came down to this planet. So, thankfully, we found that love. The people in this room, some of you out there, have found the love of Jesus. Congratulations! You found the greatest gift of all, life-changing love. Well, I want to talk about another miracle of Jesus today. Ooh, it's so good to talk about the wonder-working power of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because his power is real. His power is real. I've seen his power work. We've seen people nearly dead here during COVID a couple years ago. We've seen that. And we've thought we'll never see them again when we leave that hospital room. And God raised them up. We've seen people's lives on the edge of just falling off the edge of whatever. And God has held on to them and they've held on to God and he's pulled them back from despair and from who knows what else would follow. I'm telling you, we've seen God work miracles. We've seen God supply in people's lives. We've seen cars given to us so that we could give them to somebody else and money given to us so that we could fix cars and money brought to us so that we could buy cars. And people that should have got twice as much for a car saying, we'll sell it to you for whatever money you got so your two sisters can have a car, amen? Amen. (laughs) Now you should see the one she's got. God blessed her again. We've seen God work. We know he's real. But here's the thing. If God doesn't do any of that stuff, I know he's real because He changed you and he changed me from what we were. There's no medicine. There's no doctor. There's no psychiatrist. Nothing can touch what God has done in our life. Not to say any of those things are bad or not even to say that they're not needed. But nobody works like our God works. And, you know, I think it's kind of great that right now there's a infatuation with the supernatural going on right now. Now you can say, what do you mean? Okay. (laughs) And Hollywood, television, 
They seem to be really turned on, don't they, by the supernatural? I mean, look at the, t look at the movies, Angels and Demons, Harry Potter, Twilight, television, you know. If you're old enough, you remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Being Human, uh, The Vampire Diaries. Don't tell me whether you're watching these or not, by the way. I don't, that's up to you, okay? <laughs> But I'm just pointing out that there, are, there seems to be this infatuation with the supernatural like I've never seen before. We had vampires. We had Frankenstein. We had the werewolf. But we watched them once a year. And then that was, you know, that was fun. Those old black and white movies. You remember that? And then came Freddy Krueger and these slasher movies, you know. And if you're foolish enough to watch those on a dark night, then you get what's coming to you, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you about what I found out. The Gallup poll taken 20-some years ago in 2001, the Gallup poll found that younger Americans far, are far more likely to believe in the paranormal than older respondents. Here's another one. The 2009 Pew Research Center survey revealed that about half of Catholics and half of black Protestants believed in or had experienced at least two of a list of supernatural phenomenon. The list included belief in reincarnation. Now, this is half. These are Christians, right? Belief in reincarnation, belief in spiritual energy located in physical things, belief in yoga as a spiritual practice, belief in the evil eye. That's what my mother used to give me. Belief in astrology, having been in touch with the dead, consulting a psychic, or experiencing a ghostly encounter. Now, I looked at what supernatural means. Here's the definition. Supernatural is of or relating to an order of existence beyond the visible, observable universe. Okay? Attributed to an invisible agent, such as a ghost or a spirit. That's the short definition there. And I want to say to you, there is a supernatural. I'm not saying there's not a supernatural. There is a supernatural. Warren was praying for me back before church started, and he said, God put your super on his natural. The supernatural is this. It's an unseen part of our world. And it's invisible. Usually it's invisible to our eyes. But every so often, there's a crossover, isn't there? From the spiritual realm to the physical realm. Every so often. We look today, we can see the effect the powers of darkness can have on an individual. Not good ones most of the time. And we can also, though, see a demonstration of the power of God against such powers. If you look closely, you can see this. So I want us to go to Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. I'm just going to read this story through. It speaks for itself. So remember, Jesus last week was on a boat. He had been teaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, we talked about how exhausted he was. They get in the boat. 
The boat gets into a storm. He's asleep. The disciples wake him up, say, help us, we're going to drown. He goes, peace be still. The storm instantly goes away. And he's like, man, don't you have any faith? Don't you know who you're with? What's the deal? So on that same trip, they're still going across the lake now. They get over to a town. So it says they went across the lake, verse 1, to the region of Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Oh, boy. And this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And when Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again to not send him out of the air, not send them out of the area. This is where the story gets weird. <laughs> A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. We are engaged in a real battle with Satan and the kingdom of darkness. Okay? Don't forget that. That should... That's something we should just always be aware of, that we are in a real battle. You just don't see it. And yet Jesus, the great thing, has triumphed over our spiritual enemies, and he empowers us, his disciples, to overcome these spiritual enemies. So I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to stay up awake at night with one eye open. So we're in this series the studying of Jesus' miracles. We talked about how Jesus calmed the storms last week. And I said, you know, 
they went across that sea after it calmed down to the town of Gerasenes trying to get a rest. They're trying to get a rest, and then they end up in a storm. All right, so now the storm's over, and they're like, okay, let's try to get a breather. And as soon as they step on shore, a demon-possessed man shows up who's not happy about Jesus' arrival. Real-life moment here, guys. When God does something big in your life, you can be sure your enemy will be on the, the attack real soon. Real moment thing here. They, they're like, whoa, this is the biggest thing ever. Jesus just calmed the storm. He saved us, and he has control over the elements. They're still trying to take that in, I guarantee you. They're still talking about it. And when they step on shore, this creature comes at them throws himself at Jesus' feet. It's not like when God does something great in your life or in the church, and it's, you're like, man, you know, we're cruising now. This is good. Aren't we enjoying the blessings of God? Yes. That's in the past. And it's like I told you time and time again, you're either coming out of a test, you're in a test, or you're going into a test, Okay. You're in one of those three places. So enjoy that in-between time when you're coming out and headed in because it's good. But I'm telling you, Satan, he's not at rest. You can rest, but he's not at rest. This is a serious battle to him. So they get off the boat anyhow, and this man who's possessed with many demons, many demons, I can't even imagine, he comes at them. And here's a description in the, in the Scripture you'll find. Very interesting of this poor guy. In verse 3, can we bring that back up? Verse 3, it says, this man lived in the tombs. Now think about that. We just read through that real quick. Like a vampire. Think about it. He is sleeping with corpses in a cave. Ugh. I couldn't sleep in a cave with corpses, okay? Especially if one of them started snoring. I would be worried. And... The reason he's doing this is he's been exiled from his city and from all human contact. Nobody, nobody wants him around. They chase him off. He's dangerous. Everybody's afraid of him. Even his family and friends are like, no, thank you. And in verse, in verse 3, you'll see there, no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. He had supernatural strength, didn't he? To be able to break a chain that would hold probably, I don't know, an ox, a donkey. It won't hold a man? He could break that? Verse 4 says, For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. That's seriously strong, everybody, seriously. So here's this guy who is tortured by many, many demons, and he's uncontrollable, he's nasty, he's living with dead people, corpses, and he's living in this physical, mental, and emotional torment like you wouldn't believe. And it says in verse 5, Here's another picture of him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out. He'd be screaming. They would hear him, and they'd be like, oh, no. 
hope he's not coming into town. And he would cut himself with stones. That's being in torture, isn't it? To where you start hurting yourself. People do that today even, don't they? I'm not saying they're demon-possessed, but I'm just saying people do that. And this, this word, this phrase here, cut himself, if you look at this, it's in the sense of gnashing, hashing, hacking, or cutting one's whole body, not just one area, but he was cutting himself everywhere, and he was just covered in scars, just covered in scars. I can't even imagine. I think of, you know, people that have those sleeves of tattoos, and they're just covered with it. That's what I'm thinking about him is he's just covered. He's been doing this so long. So this is the backstory on this guy. Just try it. You know, it's all we have. We don't have any other history about this guy who came out from the tombs and he greets Jesus. A man that's tormented in every way you can imagine. He's living with fear, living with anger, frustration. He has no control over his life. That's one of the worst feelings, isn't it? When you lose control of your life. When you've got a sickness where you have no control over your life. When somebody's abusing you and you have no control over your life. When you've lost your job and you have no way to pay the bills and you feel like you have no control over your life. Nothing's working. And that's the way he was, only he's got these demons within him that have occupied him. Somehow, they've entered him. But when the demoniac, when he sees Jesus, he runs to Jesus. Strange. He runs to Jesus and he falls at his feet. And Jesus doesn't go like everybody else. Get away. Okay? He confronts the demon spirits and he commands them to leave this man and then he asks the demon to what identify himself i don't think i would care i don't think but to jesus this is important and the demon said his name was what legion now back then a military legion would have been approximately four thousand to six thousand men did you know that you're thinking legion, you think, what is that, a dozen, a handful? No, thousands. How could you live when you have all these voices and all this noise in your brain and in your spirit and you can't rest and when you do rest, you let your guard down and you just can't fight this day and night, everybody. Can you imagine? And the demons, though, as many as there were, they know one thing. They're outmatched when Jesus shows up. One Jesus, thousands of demons. Oops, sorry. You're going to lose this one. So, there's no contest. They start begging Jesus. This is so interesting. They beg Jesus to cast them into the pigs that are close by. And I don't, you know, I have no idea why Jesus decided to go with this. I really don't. In verse 13, it says, he gave them permission. Now, they couldn't do it without his permission. Why? Because he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. 
He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out, went into the pigs, and the herd about 2,000 in number. So you know, if you had one demon per pig, there had to be at least 2,000. There might have been some on the buddy plan going, you know, two to a pig. We don't know. But the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Wow, what a sight that was. So this was like, one thing you had to realize, think about it. This was not a Jewish settlement where they were at. They wouldn't have been raising pigs, would they? This was not on their menu. Pigs were unclean. I'm sorry, as much as you love bacon, just don't be, you know, don't do the Jewish thing. So this had, these had to be Gentile people because Jews would not be raising an unclean animal like this or eating it. Verse 15, when they came to Jesus, when these Gentile people came to Jesus, they may or may not have known who he was. They may or may not known that he was the guy who stopped the storm out there. They may or may not have known that. But when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. I get a kick out of that because that's something we, we used to say. We'd knock on the door, you know, the bedroom, and somebody be in there that we're not supposed to see him undressed, you know, and we'd go, are you, in the, are you dressed and in your right mind? We would say that. Now I know where we got that. And we'd always go, well, one out of two ain't bad, which you didn't know if they were dressed or they just were in their right mind, you know, so you didn't go in. But they were, he was sitting there dressed in his right mind now. Now the demons are gone. The noise is gone. The voices, the torment is gone. And they're afraid. Can you imagine? He's healed. He's who he used to be. And they're like, oh, 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 oh. they're more afraid of him now. They're spooked. But instead of being glad or grateful that he's healed, they get all mad. They're mad because they just lost their herd of pigs. So they're like, get out of here, you troublemaker, before something happens to our chickens, okay? We can't do with any more livestock being killed off. So... In one day, think about it. This is one day in the life of Jesus. You think, you know, I love some of you. How are you doing today? I'm tired. Oh, really? Yes. It's been a tough day. Oh, really? Did you calm any storms today? Did you drive out demons today or something? You know? No. I love it. You know, we get tired over simple things. In one day, Jesus preaches to the multitudes, goes on a boat ride across a lake, which some of you, that would just wipe you out completely, but then he's in a huge storm, and then he calms the storm, has to hear the whining of the disciples, gets off on the shore, and immediately has to face a demon-possessed man with at least 2,000 demons in him. So he has to cast the demons out of him, then put them into pigs, and then put up with the townspeople complaining, bah, 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 all in one day. And the day's not even over yet. It's not bad, though, is it? 
Not bad work if you can get it. And we read these stories, and they seem scary sometimes because we hear the word demon, Satan. You know what? I went out late yesterday, and I was just looking on YouTube to see what's out there, and there's some really, really, I don't know if it's amazing or amazingly stupid or what, but there's just, there's a lot of stuff on demonic possession. I do not invite you to actually go look at a lot of that. Um, you know, it's just, it is what it is, right? I went out there and I looked at it. And so I'm not endorsing any of it. But as I looked at a lot of this, I saw some people that were supposedly being, you know, delivered from demons. I, I, and again, I say that not as a skeptic. I just say, I don't know. I'm not there. It could be. I saw a lot of teachings, lots of teachings about this. And I saw lots of, you know, prayers. There were these videos that you can self-deliver yourself if you read these prayers or listen to these prayers. And I was like, wow, interesting. There's a lot of interest, everybody, on the Christian side of things when it comes to this. There's a lot of talk about this. And I saw street preachers even being physically assaulted by modern day, what I would consider demoniacs. People that seemed rational, people that seemed totally normal guys. I'm watching them and the guys out there preaching. Ray Comfort, you ever heard of Ray Comfort? He's out there just, he does not preach. He just talks. And I saw people's countenance change when he would say the name Jesus. And all of a sudden, their eyes do this, and they change, and they become, you know, I saw him talk to people that were uh, self-proclaimed Satanists. I saw other people out on the streets preaching in um, Great Britain, in England, and almost their lives were almost in danger, guys. The crowd got so violent, and all he did was he had an area with a, a tripod thing behind him with scriptures on there and pictures of Jesus, and he's just telling them how much God loves him, and people began to spit on him and began to come so close to attacking him, and the police just stood over there and watched. It was amazing. Satan's power is absolutely real today. There's no doubt about that. And you can see it in really outlandish ways like that. But I want you to hear me. Listen close. Satan cannot possess a follower of Christ. We're already possessed by the Holy Spirit. I'm possessed by a spirit, all right? It's the Holy Spirit. I can't have two spirits that are opposing each other inside of me. This spirit within me is greater than he that is in the world. <laughs> but listen to these warnings. Now, with that being said, listen to these warnings. 1 Peter 5, 8. However, you might be possessed by the Holy Spirit. You may be filled with his spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, you are. But listen, 1 Peter 5, 8 says... Be alert and of sober mind. 
Now, this has nothing to do with drinking. This has to do with what you're thinking about, guys. This has to do what you're filling your mind with. I am not going to tell you to stay away from, you know, some type of movie, some rating of a movie. Guys, if you don't know what to watch and what not to put in your mind, you're going to learn. No matter what I say, it's not going to change you anyhow. So why should I get up here and tell you? Listen to the Holy Spirit. And when things aren't right, the Holy Spirit will tell you, and you could just turn it off, change it, grab your Bible, listen to some praise music. I'm not being ridiculous. I'm saying be of sober mind. Be alert. How does Satan enter somebody, guys? How does he affect them? Well, listen. We can't be possessed, but listen what he's saying. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So why is it that I see people that were Christians fall to Satan's power anyhow? I don't think they took 1 Peter 5.8 to heart. We allowed stuff. In the windows of our soul, we allowed stuff to come into our eyes, our ears, our mind. And now Satan has something to work with. Just give him a little unholy ground to work with. And he can work with it. He can start to build a stronghold there. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. So why would we want to bring things into our life? Why would we have things in our house that would give the enemy ground to stand on, ground to build a stronghold in our household, in our lives, when his only thing is, it's going to feel good, it's going to be exciting, you're going to like this. But here's what, I'm only putting that in there to steal from you, to kill you and destroy your life. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I've seen him do it. I don't know how he would do it with you. What affects you would not affect me. So you may have seen some scary movies, you know, that depict demons that are trying to scare us or harm us. And these are, you know, that's not what we're talking about. You're not going to see demonic activity most likely like that. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm going to just going to say this is not how Satan wants to destroy you. I am, this is going to tick Satan off, and I'm so happy to do this today because I want to pull back the curtain so you can see something. His specialty is to entice us to sin, okay? I'm okay. To afflict us with sickness, to seduce us, into error. Mm. See how it can even come through some teachings and some things that aren't right? He gets us to believe his lies. Oh, I heard some great lies. People talking to Ray Comfort yesterday. They're so convinced that they have it all figured out, that they can believe in God, but they can have the world too. Oh, what a lie! What an absolute lie. 
And it's just like this demoniac here in the book of Mark that we were reading about just now. Satan can get us there through those types of things. That's the way he pulls us in, guys. He pulls us in through these types of things that I just said. None of those are doors opening in the middle of the night, your sheets being pulled off of you, blood stains showing up on your hands like, you know, that's the nails. None of this, you know, pea soup pouring out of your mouth. None of this. It's not how he's going to work in your life. He's going to try to get you to sin, and it's going to be way over here, just a little fringe thing, and it's not going to affect you at all. You're going to go, see, lightning didn't strike me. No big deal. I can have that in my life, and that's fine. He's going to try to get you to destroy your life physically even. When I say sickness, afflicting with sickness, I'm talking about things like drugs, stuff that we can become addicted to unnecessarily, but because we go that route, when we use alcohol to self-medicate ourselves, then what happens is we become afflicted or addicted and now we're in some trap. We're in a really bad trap and then guilt comes with that and so on and so forth. He can get us to believe all these wonderful teachings that make being a Christian so much easier. Jesus never said it was going to be an easy road, guys. So if you hear there's an easier way, run, run. So once Satan gets us in through one of these nice little nicey-nice things that don't feel demonic at all, they feel kind of nice. And you know what? Your friends are going to encourage you on these things. Oh, yeah, I do that. Oh, yeah, I, mm-hmm, a long time ago. You will find company in these things. And let me tell you what, just like this demoniac, Satan will get us where he can convince us to isolate ourselves from other believers. They're judgmental. Hell, I don't believe God could say, He's a God of love. How could there be a hell? And those Christians, all Christians, are so judgmental. You ever see them on television? They ever, never have nothing nice to say. They're the ones who stand with those signs in front of clinics and and, and, you know, the LGBTQ uh, parades and things like that, and they're, they're mean. Look at their faces. I don't want to be identified with that. And we began to isolate ourselves from other believers. And through these little things, Satan brings us in, these little nice, nice things, and, he bring, and, he, and we began to choose these self-destructive tendencies then. And there's so many of them, guys. We, we can't even start. We begin to live in mental and emotional torment. Guilt. Let me tell you, the worst guilt is for Christians. Christians have, we have the market cornered on guilt because we know how to live, and then when we're not living that way, oh, Satan then goes, well, if you're a Christian, why are you doing that? Well, if you're really a Christian, why do you say that well if you're really a christian why are you going here so he gets you to do it and then when you do it he kills you with guilt ah see there this is phony baloney doesn't work it doesn't work it doesn't work 
Is that speaking to anybody here? Do you know anybody like this? And then what happens? You become overwhelmed. You are buried in shame. You're buried in self-hatred. Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. I used to have it all together. Now look at this. But I'm just going to tell you, we could keep going on this stuff. I have good news for you today. Just like the demoniac, we have a deliverer. We have a deliverer, and his name is Jesus. The same deliverer for that demoniac is the deliverer for you and me today. And anybody that's listening, Jesus. Ephesians says this. You don't have to put the scripture up. It says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces, the unseen forces of evil in the heavenly realms, guys. Good news. I got good news. Three things. We're going to be done here. Three things. Good news. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. To destroy the works of the devil. The word destroy means to loose someone from ropes, straps, or chains. He came to destroy those bondages. So if you're bound by sin and you feel trapped, I'm just going to tell you today, Jesus came to set you free. Good news number two. Jesus has conquered Satan and evil. He's already done that. It's done. It's a done deal. Colossians, you don't have to put this up. Colossians 2.15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. How? By triumphing over them by the cross. And he came back from the dead. You can't keep me down. You don't grave Death, sin, I took you all on, and here I am. I'm back alive. Woo! We just celebrated that a couple weeks ago, didn't we? You don't have, listen, you don't, listen close. You don't have to fight Satan. Jesus already did that for you. He fought for your freedom and won. Good news number three, we have the same power within us. Now, there should be people running the aisles right now. There should be people shouting and jumping up and down. There should be people going crazy right now that you have the same power within you that Jesus had when he came back from the dead. First John says, who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. We overcome the world. Let me read this. Sam Storms wrote this in his blog. He says, simply put, you don't have to suffer from Satan's debilitating presence or yield to his temptations or experience the shame and paralyzing guilt that he tries to inflict. The consistent testimony of Scripture is the victory of Christ over the demoniac and the authority and power that is ours if we believe if we take our stand in the name and the authority of the risen Christ, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So if you feel unlovable, if you feel despised by other people, maybe it's because of what has happened to you in life. You feel like you're living with the dead. 
Maybe the choices you've made have put you in that place. I don't know. Maybe you see no way out of this bondage in your life. And you're in this circle of hurting yourself. And even though you realize you're wrong, you, don't, you just can't seem to stop it. You almost get there and then you fall. And you almost get there and then you fall. And it just seems to go over and over. And I'm going to tell you what. Jesus approached. Listen close. Jesus approached the demoniac. When that demoniac came and threw himself down at Jesus, he did not take a step back. When others in town were afraid of him and they started running when they just heard him screaming in the hills, I'm going to tell you there's nothing in your life that's too much for Jesus. And even though others have given up on you, and even though you've given up on yourself, I want you to know something. Jesus wants an encounter with you. Jesus is stepping into you, and he wants an encounter with you. Oh, man. Even though you're scarred, and some of that you've done to yourself, even though you're nasty, and you're living with the deadbeats, and they're not doing you any good, and even though Christian friends won't have anything to do with you, your family's turned their back on you, it doesn't matter. Jesus wants you. He wants an encounter with you. So I'm just going to tell you, no big altar call. This is for anybody and everybody in this place, watching today, it doesn't matter. Come and throw yourself at Jesus' feet. Like the demoniac. All you got to do is just throw yourself at the Lord's feet. And he'll take care of the rest. No big show. He will do that for you. Amen. Father God, I pray now for those who are struggling beyond belief. They are in bondage to Satan. God, we don't, we don't envision ourselves when we start doing things. We don't envision ourselves getting into these messes. We don't envision ourselves going in this direction. We never start off saying... I want to be bound by drugs. I want to be in mental torment for what I've done to other people. I, we never start off that way. We start off trying to please ourselves. We start off selfishly. Satan takes care of the rest. God, there are people today that need to be set free. I pray right now they would throw themselves at the feet of Jesus today and be set free. In Jesus' name, be set free today. Throw yourself at his feet and be set free in Jesus' name. Today is your day. Today is your day. I've never felt more conviction about the end of a message than I feel today. And in a minute, we're going to celebrate the power of Jesus. We're going to celebrate. I want Sophia, if she can come up. I want her to come up and Leah. I want us to sing that song. There's power in the name of Jesus. How many believe in the name of Jesus that there's power in his name? His name alone. Amen? Amen. I want us to sing this song in closing today. There's power in the name of Jesus. If you're watching us, you sing along with us. You believe. I want God to touch your heart too. <coughs> Thank you.
on, let's sing that again, everybody.
tell you, there is nothing, 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 nothing that God cannot do. So whatever it is you need from the Lord today, you can ask Him. And know this, He wants to encounter you, no matter what it looks like, no matter how deep it is, how bad it looks, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. None of that matters to God. The reality is He wants an encounter with you. And He's calling you today to believe in Him. The greatest miracle of all is accepting Him as your Savior. And I want us to just take a moment right now and I want to pray with some people that might be listening or watching today. Father God, I pray for those who maybe for the first time in their lives, they're hearing this message of deliverance. It's not maybe what they were thinking. But God, I pray that you would touch their hearts and that Jesus Christ will become real. That they will have an encounter with Jesus today. I pray for them right now that their heart will be changed, that you will enter into their mind right now the truth the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ loves them that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life I pray for them right now that they would give their lives to you forever we ask in Jesus name in Jesus name Amen. Thank you for joining us today. The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.